going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast, Yankee Weekly Recap Edition, the final week of the regular season just finished up yesterday. Everyone can can exhale. We have our postseason finally. The long, grueling six months of regular season baseball is finally over. And now it is time for really, I think, you know, the best postseason in all of sports. It, it, it's really hard to beat October baseball. The, the atmosphere and the crowd, the, the cold weather um, starting to come, the fall, the fall leaves and everything that comes with it. Just a great time of year, and you know, you pair your postseason baseball with your college and NFL football that are, um, you know, kind of in the middle of their seasons now. NBA picking back up, NHL even starting. If you're into that, it really is like the best time of year to be a sports fan, and we're, you know, we're here to enjoy every minute of it. And I am obviously here to talk about the New York Yankees, who finally it took them to the last day of the season every game out of the 162 games that the Yankees played this year were extremely meaningful, um, but they were able to clinch a playoff spot on Sunday afternoon at like, you know, it was like 6.30 Eastern time against the Rays. They got the win and they will be playing just a nightmare matchup in Boston on Tuesday night in the wild card game in a one game elimination winner goes home or loser goes home. Uh, winner obviously advances and will play the Rays in St. Petersburg on Thursday night. It is um, that that'll be a tough series for you know whoever the winner ends up playing. But we'll we'll focus on the week that was the series against Toronto and Tampa, and then also we'll you know talk a little bit about what to expect from that game on Tuesday night, which starts at eight o'clock Eastern, like. Honestly, living in the Eastern time zone kind of sucks. These games start so late. Uh, and eight o'clock doesn't sound super late, but you know, by the time the game's over, and you know, being it being a single game elimination playoff game, and add that to the fact that it's Yankees Red Sox, it's gonna be probably at least a four hour game. So this game will be you know over at midnight, um, probably. You know, we'll try to do a podcast. It depends on if we win or lose. I'd say if we win, I'd do a podcast the day after so I can talk about, um, you know, the game that was and then preview that race series quite a little bit. If we lose, I might, you know, take some time to maybe do like a game recap podcast and like a little bit of a season recap podcast uh, later in the week or on the weekend, something like that. But my point is the Eastern time zone, these games start so late, you know, the primetime NFL games start at like 8.30, uh, you know, end at like 11.30. Kind of sucks. It's tough for your body clock. You know, you're, if you got work the next day, you're waking up early, 6.30, whatever, 6 o'clock. Uh, you know, you got to pick and choose what games you stay up for, stay up late for. And obviously I'm going to be staying up for this Yankee game and hopefully they win and I'll be staying up late to watch a lot of Yankee games in the, in the, in the, in the uh, playoffs. But anyway, I, I, I digress. I, I, all I have to say is I'm jealous of you people that live in, you know, the central time zone and even, you know, maybe the mountain time zone. It may, might be prime time because, yeah, not not the West Coast time zone. I think that's a little bit too far, or the Pacific time zone. I think that's a little bit too far uh, back. Like, you're, you're way behind everybody. Like, whenever I'm out in 
out west it feels like you're kind of in a different country you're just so so far disconnected with the rest of the country but anyway i I digress let's let's talk about baseball you guys aren't here for me to talk about time zones um so yeah the yankees entered the week a game ahead in the wild card like i mentioned two games over toronto and three over seattle who seattle made a deep push a late push to try to make the playoffs they were in it on the last day but unfortunately they did well unfortunately for mariners fans they lost to the angels on sunday and it didn't matter anyway because the yankees and red sox both won but monday or sorry it was tuesday 7-2 win over toronto great way to start out the series and the week where you know we all know it was a huge week where every game was going to be paramount um jameson tyone got the start for for the yankees he did not stay in the game long as he re-aggravated that ankle injury um, and he eventually landed on the injured list after this game so he only went 2.1 innings pitched gave up one run uh struck out a ba- struck out two batters and walked a guy so not too much from tyone it was really a bullpen game for the yankees and the bullpen did its job um talk about guys like uh king holmes green and severino also wandy peralta they commit. Uh, they pitched a combined 5.2 innings and only gave up one earned run, and that was King that gave up the earned run. So, outstanding job by the bullpen to come in for Tyone and really, you know, shut the Blue Jays down. An absolutely potent lineup, like I've said in the past. In terms of scoring, uh, the Yankees fell behind one nothing in the first, but they were able. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Blue Jays scored one in the bottom of the first. Uh, but Judge was able to go the other way with a solo shot, his 37th of the season. Uh, that, that tied things up. He said, you know, I mentioned he dislocated his pinky in that Boston game on Sunday Night Baseball. He says his pinky hurts, but it doesn't seem to impact him while hitting. He went two for two with two walks and two RBIs in the game on Monday. So, again, him and Stanton have just been outstanding down the stretch and really are, are a large reason that the Yankees are even in the playoffs just because um, – you know, the other guys haven't been that great at all. You know, you think of guys like Gallo. Uh, Rizzo's been okay. He's been solid. Uh, Glaber's coming around, but Gio kind of been struggling. Uh, you know, DJ hasn't been a shell of himself this year. So Judge and Stanton have carried this team down, you know, the past, last two months. The Jays were able to take the lead in the fourth, but the Yankees came back and tied it right up in the fifth. Uh, Rizzo golfed a single the other way to bring home Urshela. Uh, that tied it, like I said, and then Judge roped a deep, a pretty deep sack fly to to right field, and that scored a run, making it three two Yankees. So it, it was tight. Uh, you know, every out was a little bit stressful, but in the seventh, Giancarlo was able to open up that lead, uh, blasting a three run shot, uh, his thirty fifth of the season, on a pitch that was only one point two six feet off the ground. So that was like the lowest pitch he's ever homered on in his career, I believe. That killed the safe situation, made it 6-2. to two. And then in the top of the ninth, Gio Urshela hit a solo shot, his 14th of the year, to pretty much end the game, put any uh, doubt out of, you know, settle the game there. Uh, 7-2 Yankees win. Penn was rock solid, like I mentioned. Boston lost to Baltimore on Tuesday, so that meant the Yankees went up two games in the wild card were absolutely in the driver's seat for the last uh, five games of the season. We're feeling really good, and that's kind of where things took a negative turn starting on Wednesday night in Toronto for game two of that series. 
Prior to the game, Jonathan Lewisaga was activated and Heaney was sent to Tampa in a corresponding move. So great to get Lewisaga back in that bullpen. He's been our best reliever of the year, in my opinion. And then Heaney back to Tampa, kind of a good riddance type of thing. He'll probably be back with the team for the playoffs as you know the rosters expand. But I would not expect him to get any time whatsoever, especially against Boston. So unless we're up by like 50 runs. Um, so Garrett Cole got the start on Wednesday. It was, I mean, obviously it was his biggest start of the season, but he just did not rise to the occasion. Uh, it, was, it was his third straight game that rose his ERA. The Jays jumped on him early for four runs in the first three innings. They had two runs in the first inning. So, you know, he struggled early. They were really jumping on that fastball. His slider was not as tight as it normally is. He, he seemed to be pulling it a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of his sliders were ending up low and away in the dirt, but I still will give him credit for getting through six innings, but he was not good enough for his standards. He went six innings, pitched nine hits, which is just a lot for Garrett Cole, five earned runs, no walks, six strikeouts. And like I said, the Jays were really on that fastball. Most of the runs that he gave up were on that fastball. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, you know, with basically almost a full week full week's rest it'll be like five or six days rest when he pitches on tuesday hopefully he's ready to go and knowing postseason garrett cole uh, which i'll talk about a little bit later he should be ready to go the yankees entered the fifth down four to nothing like i said garrett cole kind of put them in a hole Uh, they were able to chip away with a pair of runs via a geo urshela rbi single and then a gardner rbi double who shout out to gardner who's been playing a lot down the stretch no one really expected him to play a huge role for this team this year but he had another solid like he started out slow but he had another solid brett gardner season long at bats making the pitcher you know throw a lot of pitches getting on base, stealing bases, and he plays a great center field. Doesn't have the best arm out there, but he covers a lot of ground and makes makes solid plays. So he's just a reliable guy, reliable vet, and I really appreciate you know the time he's, he's spent in New York because he's our longest tenured Yankee right now. I think he's been there since like, he's, he was on the World Series team in 09. Uh, I think he's been there like since 07 or 08, something like that. So yeah, he, he's been great. Um, that, that made it 4-2. Blue Jays in the fifth, and then in the bottom of that inning, Vlad Jr. doubled in a run after that Springer pop-up just dropped between Gallo and Urshela. Uh, That made it 5-2 Toronto. We've seen this a lot throughout baseball, really this year, just pop-ups dropping in between guys, Uh, you know, specifically outfielders and infielders where, you know, there's a lot of communication that has to be done. And I think teams have struggled with this because of all the shifts the shifts excuse me and they're just not used to the different like so like center fielder for example has priority over every position on the field so he can call off anyone he wants if he wants to catch a fly ball shortstop has priority over all of the infielders so if he thinks he can catch a ball and he you know calls him calls off the second baseman or whatever shortstop has priority so he he gets that ball um, I think, you know, with the shifts moving all of these guys around, like you'll have a third baseman playing in right field or whatever. Guys aren't used to, you know, different priorities with working with different guys catching these balls. That's my theory. Like, you know, um, 
Glaber Geo went out to left field, and you know, that's not a that's a non shift situation even. But I thought Gallo should have gotten to that ball, but maybe there was a miscommunication. Gallo didn't assert himself because he has priority over Urshela in that situation. It seemed like Gallo didn't call it, and it, it looked like no one called it. Um, and you know that happens a lot where no one will call it, and the ball kind of just drops in between two players. So that could have been the situation. I don't know. We saw Randy Arena and Wander Franco get into it on Sunday afternoon where Arena, the right fielder, ended up catching the ball. And it was like in right field. Franco ran all the way out to right field and maybe thought he had priority in that situation or something. I don't know. But we've seen a lot of that in the MLB this year. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we're seeing more and more shifts due to you know the analytics and where they're projecting guys to hit the ball. Uh, maybe guys aren't used to calling other guys off in certain situations. And that is something that teams will have to start working on more in spring training. That's something you work on in spring training and kind of get out of the way. But anyway, in the fifth inning, uh, Toronto's up 5-2. to two. In the sixth, Judge drove in a run with a sack fly to make it 5-3. to three. And Then in the seventh, Higashioka collected a massive... Two out, two strike, two run single to tie the game at five. Uh, you know, obviously Higashioka is Garrett Cole's personal catcher. And I was kind of expecting Gary Sanchez to come in and pinch hit in that situation. Uh, I know in my Yankee group chat, we were all calling for that. Like, why was Higashioka hitting in that situation? But I mean, he's been a great backup catcher, you know, getting some offensive production from him this season. But Gary is certainly a better hitter than Higashioka. But Higgy got the job done there um, and tied the game at five in the seventh. Unfortunately, in the bottom of the eighth, Bo Bichette hit that solo shot off of Clay Holmes to give the Jays a 6-5 lead. And he gave the crowd a curtain call, which I thought was a little interesting. Uh, I, you know, He hit two home runs that game, so good for him. But a curtain call in a 6-5 game where you're like two or three games back in the wild card against the team that you're playing. I don't know. It just didn't seem like the right time to do it. You know, they still had to go out and get three three outs, which they did, and the Yankees weren't able to score in the ninth. So the Jays did end up winning the game 6-5, to five, but I still thought that was a weird spot for a curtain call. Um, Boston won on Wednesday against Baltimore, so the Yankees were... That left the Yankees one game clear of the first wildcard spot heading into the Thursday night games where the Yankees faced... The Blue Jays again for the third game of the series. Kluber was on the mound for the Yankees. He did a solid job. You know, not great, not bad. Um, he did leave the game down 2-1 to one in the fifth inning. But like I always say, he left the Yankees in a position to win the game. He went 4.2 innings pitched, gave up seven hits, two earned runs, a walk, and two strikeouts. Could have been better, but not awful from Kluber. Um... Anytime you only give up two runs to the Blue Jays in that lineup in five innings, I can't be that mad. Uh, the Yankees were facing the Cy Young frontrunner, Robbie Ray, who grunts so loudly every single pitch. It gets quite annoying. He sounds like a tennis player, to be honest. Um, but you know, the Yankees were able to kind of set the tone for the game right away. Um, Aaron Judge hit an absolute bomb to dead center. If you haven't seen that home run, go watch it again. It's pretty funny to hear Robbie Ray grunt super loudly and then Judge just hit an absolute mammoth bomb to dead center, his 38th homer of the season. 
And like I said, that was a great way to start the game. Unfortunately, um, the Ray, Robbie Ray was able to retire 13 straight Yankees after that Aaron Judge home run. And the, the Jays had the lead going into the sixth inning. However, that's where things completely turned on their head, turned on its head, turned on the head. I don't even know the phrase there. Um, it wasn't looking good, but the Yankees clutched up again. Rizzo took Robbie Ray deep to right field, his 21st of the season, to tie the game at two. Judge, the next batter, hit a home run right after, so back-to-back home runs there, his 39th of the year. That made it 3-2 to two Yankees. And then Glaber Torres, who's been, like I said, heating up of late, he added some insurance with a two-run shot to to left to make it uh, 5-2 Yankees, and that was his ninth home run of the season. So, yeah, and after that, you know, the Yankees' bullpen took care of business. They really dominated the Blue Jays' bats. Uh, Gardner added on to the lead with a solo shot in the ninth to make it 6-2. to two. And, yeah, that completed the game. Chapman was able to pick up his 1,000th strikeout of his career. Uh, King and Severino, interest, so interestingly, um, since coming back from the injured list, both King and Severino have combined for 20.2 innings pitched. They have a combined 22 strikeouts and a combined 0.87 ERA. So outstanding numbers for those two. That And those numbers were following the Toronto game. They also have pitched a little bit in this Tampa series over the weekend, but they've been, they've been great for us. And I think where the Yankees have a huge advantage over the Red Sox for this game on Tuesday is the bullpen. Um, so that'll be kind of an interesting to talk about a little bit later, but in terms of Thursday, that was a great win. Uh, things would be looking a lot differently if the Yankees had lost that game. Um, but the Yankees were, you know, still in the driver's seat heading into the weekend two games up for the first wild card spot since Boston lost again to Baltimore on Thursday. Just unacceptable from Boston losing two of three against Baltimore when you absolutely needed it. But you love it. You love to see, you know, the Orioles playing spoiler. Their social media team kind of troll did a little troll job on Boston, but ultimately uh, Boston was still able to make the playoffs, so it didn't really matter and they're still hosting the wild card game, so um, but yeah, anyway, uh, that led us to the weekend series against Tampa Bay in the Bronx. And the series did not go really as planned. You know, the Rays, I think I mentioned it on last week's podcast, the Rays didn't really have a ton to play for. Well, they didn't have anything to play for in this series. So I was kind of questioning, you know, what kind of effort we would see uh, for them in this series. But at the end of the day, it's kind of hard to not try in baseball uh you know if you got a guy throwing a fastball 95 miles an hour at you you're gonna try to hit i don't know it's just hard to not try in baseball and we did see things like them pulling starting pitchers after three innings and them doing ridiculous shifts kind of unnecessarily and recklessly in like key situations of games but they still were able to take two out of three in this series um and the Yankees looked really bad on, well, especially on Saturday, but we can talk about the Friday game first. Um, Nestor Cortez got the start, and he finished off the season with just another solid, solid, solid performance. It might have been in a losing effort, but you just have to appreciate really the job Nestor Cortez has done for the Yankees this season. I've, I've said it really ever since I started doing this podcast about the Yankees. He's been so clutch for the Yankees. He's been 
such a like a a revelation because we we had so many injuries and we kind of you know he started the bull out the year in the bullpen and we kind of just threw him in this the rotation almost as like an opener and then he started giving us length and he started getting guys out and he started doing funny things like you know working guys super quickly and or super slowly doing different windups and stuff and he he became a fan favorite really quickly um I have no idea if he's going to be in a start a starter in the postseason. I think he should be. Do the Yankees go forward with it? I have no idea. But in this game, he went 4.2 innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, no walks, and five strikeouts. And he was able to finish the season with an ERA of 2.90 in 93 innings pitched. So that's quite the season for a guy that started out in the bullpen, uh, ended up being like a front half of the rotation starter. Uh, so I'll be excited to you know see if he can back that up next year if the Yankees decide to use him in a starter role next year or move him back into the bullpen. I don't know. All I can say is thank you, Nestor Cortez, for a great season. Uh, Tampa, in this game, were able to take a one nothing lead off a of Nelson Cruz home run in the first. The Yankees, however, were able to tie it up in the bottom of the inning with a two-out RBI single from Giancarlo Stanton. That made it 1-1, obviously. Uh, in the in the second, the Rays were able to add another run, and it would remain a 2-1 game for most of the night, um, all, all the way until the ninth inning, where, uh, disappointing, but it was a big blow. It was a two-out, two-run, RBI single. Well, yeah, two-run single, so two RBI single for Wander Franco. Uh, that gave Tampa a 4-1 lead heading into the ninth, kind of putting some well, clearly putting some cushion between them and the Yankees. Gonna, always going to be tough to score, uh, you know, three runs in one inning, especially against that bullpen that Tampa has, which it's just top notch. You know, obviously not a lot of guys you've heard of, but Tampa is, you know, you gotta you gotta tip your your cap to what they've what they've been able to do down there. Just the analytics using because uh, you know the payroll is just incredibly lower than basically every other team in the big leagues. And what they've been able to do using analytics um, with their front office, just getting right guys for right spots, and they kind of have put together a perfect puzzle. Um, they're going to be really, really tough to beat in the playoffs. I think people are kind of sleeping on them because they don't have a lot of guys that you've heard of. And, you know, they picked up freaking Nelson Cruz. So they have bats. They have Wander Franco, the top prospect in baseball. They have Randy Arozarena, the rookie of the year. Why, you know, they have Zanino, the catcher, all-star. Why can't they win the World Series? I don't know. Or at least get out of the American League. I mean, they made the World Series last year, so I digress. Uh, In the bottom of the ninth, the Yankees were able to show some fight. Joey Gallo was able to drive in a run with a bunt single. Like I said, uh, the Rays doing some pretty ridiculous and reckless shifts. They had no one on the left side of the field, which happens often with Gallo because he's so pull-heavy. Uh, but Gallo was able to, you know, just bunt it the other way and scored a run. Uh, Gardner then was able to follow that up with a single to score another run, making it 4-3. I think it was second and third with one out. Gary Sanchez came up, struck out. Odor came up, struck out. Game over. Leaving leaving the tying run on second base. So it wasn't second and third. It was a guy on second tying run. And it was Tyler Wade. So all you had to do is get a, a single of any kind and... You know, those guy, he's probably going to score from second because he, he is so fast. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get the job done, and that was a, a brutal loss. Um, 
That meant that the Yankees' magic number was still at two with two games to go. Boston and Toronto both won on Friday night, so the Yankees only led the Red Sox by one game at that point and the Blue Jays by two. The The Mariners had also won against the Angels. They had a great week. They were also two games back of the Yankees, and uh, things were looking pretty crazy heading into the weekend. There were a lot of scenarios being floated out there, and you know I think it's a little bit extra or over the top to like go through all of these scenarios like oh if if the Mariners win the next two the Yankees lose the next two the Red Sox lose the next two and Toronto wins the next two it's a four-way tie and we'll have to play this game here and that game like relax just let the games play out we'll see what happens and we'll worry about it then and you know as it turned out none of those crazy scenarios happened and basically it was chalk and we're getting no game 163, 164. We're just getting the regular wildcard game as it was projected before the season. So it's not that big of a deal. Relax. I, I don't like the same thing for like NFL playoffs where there's like five weeks left in the season. And people are like, if they win this game and that game, and then, then they'll be the two seed and they'll get home field advantage and they'll blah, 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 blah. Like pump the brakes. Don't worry about it. It's not worth like looking into it and stressing. Just watch the games and we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I, I don't like the look ahead so much. Just game by game, game by game. But anyway, Saturday was a, a terrible game for the Yankees, a 12-2 loss against Tampa. Jordan Montgomery got the start, and he set the tone for the entire game. Uh, he had his worst start of the year by far, and it was at the worst possible time. Uh, he allowed three home runs, including three, three or sorry, three two. Ugh. He allowed three home runs, including two three-run shots to Brandon Lau. So he went 2.2 innings pitched, six hits, seven earned runs, three walks, and three strikeouts. The game was pretty much over uh, before it started. You know, the Rays scored three runs in the first off that home run from Lau. The Yankees were able to. Hit a, you know, get a run back in the bottom of the first, a Rizzo solo shot, his 22nd of the year. Michael Kay, he, he's, he was kind of off the Yankees broadcaster. He was off toward the end of the end of the year. He said after Rizzo hit that home run that it tied the game, which I don't know where he got that from, uh, but it absolutely did not. It made it 3-1, to one. and that was one of two runs that the Yankees scored all game. The only other run we scored was in the fourth, via a Gio Urshela RBI triple, which made it 7-2, and the game was over at that point, so it didn't really matter. Um, in the in the game that the Yankees absolutely had to win, they didn't even really show up. They've been really poor in day games this season. I don't know the record, but it's like 20 games under 500 in day games this year. The, the pitching staff gave up 19 hits in this game. It was ugly. Uh, I'm not even going to lie. I did not watch the whole thing. I turned it off after like the fifth inning when it was seven to two no not seven two it was like ten to two uh yeah just gave up at that point it was depressing there was college football on i would much rather you know watch michigan beat down on wisconsin uh than the yankees get destroyed by the Rays. uh shout out to michigan they, they've had a good season they've surprised quite a lot of people i don't think the most optimistic fan michigan fans out there would have projected them to start out five and oh but they've done just that um, i'm excited but anyway uh, back to the Yankees. Um, yeah, they uh, they just didn't seem to show up for this game at all. 
And, you know, we had guys like Glaber Torres not running out a a strike three, a drop strike three that bounced to the to the backstop. He just didn't run it out. And, you know, he obviously heard it from Gardner and Judge, two of the leaders on the team. That's just unacceptable. I mean, there's no excuse for not giving effort. Uh, that's, you know, the bare minimum. At the bare minimum, you can at least play hard. Make is just... It was so baffling to see them play so poorly in a game that they absolutely had to win. It, it was kind of amazing how things had taken a turn for really the worst since just Friday afternoon. In two two games, uh, the Yankees seemed to be sitting pretty in the driver's seat then. Uh, you know They were up two to Boston with three to go, and then they lost two, twice to the Rays, and the Sox had beaten the Nationals twice. Um, so things were tied up in the wild card. Obviously, the Yankees... Are behind. We're behind the Red Sox because the Red Sox won the season series, so they were tied on record. But Boston would be hosting the wild card game due to the fact that they won that regular season series, um, and that kind of left the Yankees in a, a situation where they had to win on Sunday against the Rays, a win, a, win the game, and they are in the playoffs scenario. And luckily, you know, it was ugly. <laughs> it was nerve wracking. Every pitch was on the edge of your couch type thing. The Yankees were able to do it with a one nothing win against Tampa Bay on Sunday. Uh, just a note, prior to the game, DJ LeMay, who hit the injured list with a sports hernia. So I'm not sure if we will able to... Will we, I'm not sure if we will see him the rest of the season. Uh, I don't know what the recovery time looks like for that injury, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, Jameson Tyone started the game, surprisingly, um, just due to that ankle injury, you know, so he's he did start that game like with the expectation that he's not going to go very deep into the game. He'll only go a few innings after he is dealing with that ankle injury, and he was able to do a phenomenal job. He got the first ten outs for the Yankee team that really needed every single one of them. Uh, his line was three point one innings pitched, two hits, no runs, a walk, and two strikeouts. He finished the regular season with a four point three zero ERA. Really, really up and down season for Tyone in his first season with the New York Yankees. Started out really bad, got like super hot there uh, in like July, August ter- term, term. I don't know, like that time in the season, um, and then finished pretty poorly, uh, but ultimately finished his last start of the season phenomenally. And in, in a game where the Yankees needed, you know, every out, uh, they needed a solid start, and he was able to do that. So, you know, good job by him. The offense was non-existent, uh, really, in the entire game. They only had four hits throughout the entire game. They hit into two double plays. Really, it was the pitching and the defense that carried. Not a, like There really wasn't a ton that happened um, in this game, obviously, in terms of scoring. Glaber made a diving stop to save two runs from scoring in to end the fourth inning. That was clutch. And then Gio Urshela made that amazing catch. If you haven't looked at it, go go look it up on Twitter or something. Uh, to end the sixth inning on a Meadows pop-up. He was in. He was shifted, because Meadows is a lefty, so he was shifted like kind of near shortstop second base area, and he ran 126 feet into foul territory at apparently 27.3 feet per second to make just an absurd running catch and ended up tumbling into the race dugout. It was very Derek Jeter-esque, uh, that classic play he had against the Red Sox where he dove into the stands, which obviously could not happen now due to the netting they have. Um, but yeah, Gio 
caught the ball, took a couple steps, and slipped on the stairs and fell into the Rays dugout. It looked ugly. He was down there for like a good two to three minutes. It was nerve-wracking. <laughs> we had no idea if he had broken a leg, an arm, or whatever. He was able to get up and get out of the dugout, and he stayed in the game, uh, but did eventually leave the game after hitting in the eighth inning. But apparently, according to Boone, he just came out and said that he will be playing tomorrow. Um, and he was, you know, apparently uh, Boone said he was expecting to see the jaws of life uh, over there in the Rays dugout for Urshela after that catch. But obviously he is fine. He said that Urshela, if there was a game today, Urshela would be playing. So he's ready to go. Uh, shout out to him. Greedy play. That was a great play. Um Hopefully, you know, that can be one of the classic plays in a Yankees World Series run. Who knows? But eh, the bullpen in this game did an amazing job. They got big out after big out and navigated through some extremely high-stress situations. I know in the sixth, or not in the sixth, I think it was the seventh, uh, Rosa Arena was on third base with one out, and I think it was Chad Green and Loisaga were able to get out of it. Um, so, you know, big nights from guys like Wandy Peralta, Clay Holmes, Chad Green, Jonathan Lewisaga, Chapman, they all com- combined for 5.2 innings pitch and only gave up three hits and obviously no runs. The Yankees were able to win the game with that Aaron Judge RBI base hit, kind of uh, scoring Tyler Wade. Odor got on, on first base, uh, base hit up the middle to start off, off the inning. And then Rizzo got a single to advance... Well, no, Glaber flew out to deep center, advancing Tyler Wade, who pinch ran for uh, Odor because he's the fastest guy on the team. Glaber hit a deep shot. That allowed Wade to advance to second. And then Rizzo singled to, it was a sh- too hard of a single for Wade to score, but he singled to right to advance uh, Wade to third. And then, yeah, Judge had that, had that walk-off hit. And, of course, it was Aaron Judge. So fitting for him to walk off the game and allow the Yankees to make it into the postseason with a one nothing win over Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, the Red Sox won against the Nationals on Sunday. They were down. They were down 5-1 to one and were able to come back and win the game. Devers hit, well, Verdugo hit a clutch RBI double to tie up the game. And then Devers hit a bomb to dead center, two-run shot to give them a two-run lead, and that closed the deal for them. I say fortunately because, say, hypothetically, had the Red Sox lost that game, they would have had to play a one-game elimination game before even the wild card game against the Rays, so or against the uh, Blue Jays in a, one, a game 163. Winner goes to play the Yankees, and I, I just say fortunately because I'd much rather play Boston than I would play... Toronto just with how hot they got down the stretch but ultimately Toronto did not win enough games throughout the entire season to you know warrant a playoff uh, appearance and you know this just shows this season more than anyone before just showed how important every single game out of 162 games how important every game is and you know you often get a lot of guys complaining a lot of fans complaining like 162 games is too many you know there's so many meaningless games throughout the season well you know those random games on a tuesday night in in may they matter because this this game or this wild card race was day by day 
uh, changing on the last week of the season. And and even the uh, the National League West race, that division race was game to game every every day up until the last day. You know, the Dodgers could have hypothetically tied the race, or the, I keep saying the race, hypothetically could have tied the Giants on the last day of the season had the Giants lost and the Dodgers won, and they would have had to play a game 163 for the uh, National League wildcard. And it's just crazy. I feel kind of bad for the Dodgers and their fans, because and their players, obviously, too, because they've won like 106-something, 106 or so games this year. Let me, I can get it real quick. So... Yeah, they won 106 games this year, only lost 56. They had a, the one of the best run differentials in the league, if not the best, actually. Yeah, they had the best run differential in the entire Major League Baseball at plus 269, which is like 50 more than any other team. Uh, and they have to play in a one-game wildcard elimination game against the Cardinals, which is a team that no one wants to play right now with you know, how hot they are um, going on like that 16-game winning streak. Uh, they got some bats. They got a couple arms. Who knows? You know, baseball, anyone can win on any day. So hypothetically, you know, we could see the Cardinals beat the Dodgers, um, which is crazy because the Dodgers have one of the best rosters ever assembled. But that, I think that just shows you how impressive it is that the Giants were able to hold off the the Dodgers for that division. I don't really think anyone would have predicted that. Uh, I mean, no one thought the Giants, you know, heading into the season, no one predicted the Giants to be good. I'm sure in our preseason uh, p- preview podcast, which I'll go back and listen to maybe a little bit, I'm sure Luis and I were not too high on the Dodge or on the Giants whatsoever. We probably thought, you know, the Padres and Dodgers would be in that race, and no, we were proven wrong. The, the Padres ended up being super disappointing, probably the biggest disappointment of the year, and the Giants were the biggest surprise of the year. So I guess that, that's what makes baseball so fun and just sports so fun is you know teams, you, underdog stories, teams you don't expect to be good being good and stuff like that. But yeah, that, that'll be a, a fun game to watch, hopefully on a Wednesday night after the Yankees win the wildcard game on Tuesday which I'm, I can talk about a little bit now, maybe a, a little bit of a preview. Obviously, it's it's kind of hard to preview a single game versus a series, but just because anything can happen, you know. Um, I guess there's some talk about, like, do, do you like the fact that, you know, playing 162 games comes down to one game? Obviously, as a fan, it's, it's extremely nerve-wracking watching these games, and it'll be the first time the Yankees go on the road for a wild card game. They've won two of three at home in these wild card games, like I mentioned previously. Um, two of them pretty handedly. The, the two wins were pretty easy uh, against Minnesota and Oakland. And then the loss, obviously, was to Houston in 15. But uh, I, I don't have too much of an issue with it. Because back in the day, like way back in the 70s and 80s, there wasn't a wild card. So if you didn't win your division, you wouldn't even have a chance at the playoffs. Like the 106 win Dodgers when it just had to, sorry, you know, you're the second best record in the bigs. Too bad. Your season's over. Go home. When clearly the Dodgers are one of the best teams in the major leagues and have a, they're, they're favored to win the World Series. 
like on FanDuel and DraftKings, they have the best odds to win. And they still have to play a one-game elimination matchup against the Cardinals. So that just shows you how highly people think of this Dodgers team. So I, I, I don't mind it. It's extremely nerve-wracking as a fan, and just every pitch is so stressful. And you know, it, with it now being against Boston, our arch nemesis, oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be rough if we lose. I'll, I'll say that um, we're not gonna hear the end of it from guys like Jared Carabas or whatever the dude on Twitter, who who's unbearable. I, I'm sure some Red Sox fans don't even like him. I, I'm not sure. Uh, his tweets are annoying, but I think he kind of he plays into it a little bit just because it's his job. I don't know if he's that. If he's that much of a you know a hole about the Red Sox, I'm I'm not sure, but um, it's going to be a tough one. Obviously, Liv, my girlfriend, is a Red Sox fan, so it'll test the uh, the strength of our relationship on Tuesday night. Um, but in terms of the game, I'm just kidding, by the way. Um, but it'll be it'll be a tough it'll be a tough night for you know, whoever ends up on the losing side between the two of us, no doubt. Um, but the game itself, like I said, Garrett Cole is getting the start versus Nathan Avaldi, the former Yankee. Garrett Cole has a lot more playoff experience than Evaldi does. Um, but Evaldi, for you know, it is worth noting, he, he when he did pitch in the postseason, he was outstanding. That was in 2018, where he actually came out of the bullpen in their World Series run. He pitched six games to a 1.61 ERA. Uh, like I said, he was outstanding. That was probably prime Nathan Evaldi. Um, but will we get that Nathan Evaldi on Tuesday night? Who knows? I hope not. He hasn't really seemed to be able to replicate that form that earned him that contract following the 2018 playoffs. But he's still a great starter. Uh, he's still probably their number two guy. And he his last start out against the Yankees, he did struggle. So hopefully we can the Yankees are able to replicate that and get him out of the game early because... The Red Sox weakness is their bullpen. The Red Sox bullpen is so bad that they had to they were using starting pitchers in relief last last night against the Nationals to secure the playoff berth. <laughs> they were using guys like uh, Eduardo Rodriguez and I think uh, Nick Pavetta closed out the game, two starting pitchers. So, they don't trust their bullpen a lot. The key to this game in my opinion is the Yankees knocking out Evaldi early. Now, interestingly, uh, Chris Sale did get the start yesterday against the Nationals, but he only went 2.1 innings. So there's a very good chance that we could see him come out of the bullpen on Tuesday night because his arm's still going to be fresh. Um, so in in that case, maybe, I mean, obviously you, you want to have a huge lead and knock Evaldi out, but you also don't want Evaldi to, you know, pitch three innings or so, and then they bring in Sale for like, five innings like you I don't know it's gonna be tough but hopefully we don't see Chris Sale on on Tuesday we might I don't know my my key to the game with all that said is the Yankees gotta get to that Red Sox bullpen and expose it for you know being their that weakness of their team that's the key to the game uh, in terms of Garrett Cole he has a lot more playoff experience he pitched with the the Astros in 18 and 19 um, and then he also pitched a couple games with Pittsburgh in 13 and also 15. Uh, it feels like forever ago that he was in Pittsburgh, but he's pitched 13 total games in the postseason to a 2.68 ERA. He was the best pitcher on the planet in 2019 before the Yankees signed him that offseason. Um, 
came within a game of winning the World Series and they weren't able to get it done against the Nationals. But, you know, Garrett Cole has struggled his last three starts, but I think that doesn't really matter because Garrett Cole, postseason Garrett Cole is a different pitcher than regular season Garrett Cole. Um, You know, he came out and said recently in a press conference that he just wants this game to get started. He's so he's so ready to go. Um, And he just wants to get out there on that mound. Um, And the Yankees actually just announced that, or Aaron Boone announced that um, Kyle Higashioka will be starting tomorrow night as Garrett Cole's personal catcher. So we'll see. Uh, We're taking away that bat of Gary Sanchez most likely, and Higashioka will be starting. But we'll see. Uh, Boone also said that Glaber Torres will probably be in the leadoff spot tomorrow. So I I think that means that um, we're not going to see DJ LeMahieu play in this game, unfortunately. And Gary Sanchez, Aaron Boone also said, will be a bat off the bench for the Yankees. So, uh, I mean, obviously Cole's got to be lights out. He struggled the last start against the Red Sox, the last couple starts against the Red Sox, actually. He has a... Let me get this stat up. He... Because he has... um, I saw a tweet a little bit earlier about his ERA. Yeah, so... Garrett Cole has a 4.91 ERA against Boston this year and a 6.19 ERA at Fenway versus Avaldi's 3.71 ERA against the Yankees and a 3.47 ERA against the uh, in Fenway. So, you know, if you just look at those numbers, yeah, I guess Boston has the advantage in starting pitching. But if you look at it from a baseball perspective... Uh, the Yankees have the advantage with the best pitcher on the planet or second best pitcher behind DeGrom on the planet when he's on his stuff. So we just got to get Garrett Cole to come out and give us five to six innings of of solid baseball, maybe give up two or three runs. You know, that lineup is scary. The top half, guys like Devers and Bogarts, uh, J.D. Martinez even, who's had a down year. Uh, He started out hot but kind of finished off the season a little bit poorly. Those guys terrify me anyway, so we gotta we gotta hop on Evaldi early. Like I said, Cole's gotta give us five to six innings of solid baseball. If he can go deeper than that, that's a huge plus. Bullpen's gotta be ready. I think we're gonna see guys like Chad Green and Loisegar are definitely gonna pitch. Hopefully, hopefully it's not like a one run game heading into the bottom of the ninth. Hypothetically, the Yankees would be winning in that situation, obviously, and uh, hopefully it doesn't come down to Chapman and us sweating bullets every pitch when Chapman is on the mound but you know he's the numbers back up Chapman and but no Yankee fan out there trust him in situations like that it'll be interesting there's no way Boone closes with Loisaga but I've said it all season he's he has the best stuff out of our pen Um, but yeah I mean like I said it's a little difficult to preview every single aspect of this game I just think the keys, Cole giving us five to six innings of solid baseball. I think the max amount of runs he can give up is like three. Um, Yankees, really the main key is the Yankees getting to that Red Sox bullpen and just taking advantage of it. The bat's got to come out. Uh, we got to see Judge and Stanton getting on base. Uh, we got to see guys like Torres, even Rizzo, maybe Tyler Wade gets in there, stealing bases, bunting. Gallo needs to have a big game. He's been really bad of late, to be fair. Um, 
making plays, no errors, you know, make the routine plays. Atmosphere is going to be tough in Fenway. I still think there's going to be a solid amount of Yankee fans there as there were in that last series uh, that we swept them. That series means nothing now. You know, the Red Sox are still hosting this game. It's a one-game elimination series. Anything can happen. Uh, so don't don't dwell on the sweep. You know, you got to take approach this as a single game. Win the game and go to Tampa on Thursday. That's all I have. Thank you all for listening. It's been a fun season for the Yankees. Well, not really, actually. It's been a, a roller coaster of a season, up and down, so many emotions. Uh, we've had the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, but we, we're here. And we have a chance to win the World Series. And it starts by beating Boston on Tuesday night. Thank you all for listening. Let's go Yankees, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace out.